Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Go check out the new manifesto on lifestyle design, authored by yours truly, Buy Your Own Island, now available on Amazon. It's been called inspiring and empowering and one of the best new books on entrepreneurship. Lifestyle design for 2015 and beyond. Look for it on Amazon or go download the audiobook for free at buyyourownisland.com forward slash audio dash book. Hello, Freedom Fighters. My name is Danny Flood. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for living the adventurous nomad lifestyle, starting an online business, and living out your dreams. I am honored today to be joined by Nathan Chan. He's the creator of Founder Magazine, that's F-O-U-N-D-R, and his website is foundermag.com. Just want to welcome you to the show, Nathan. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. It's a pleasure to be here. So how long has it been since you've started uh, Founder? I launched Founder March 5th, 2013 from my bedroom while I was working my full-time job. It's been about two years since you started, right? Yeah. So you've interviewed uh, Richard Branson, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Godin. Um, I'm looking at some of the stats here. You, uh, It's a six-figure business and you've gotten 150,000 downloads, 25,000 monthly readers. What was can you can you go take me back to when you first started this? You were an IT employee, and um, you were kind of talking about how you were wanting to start this. You were imagining yourself being this successful entrepreneur with an online business, but it, it kind of felt like a fantasy. What what was that? What were you? What was it like when you started out? Mm. <laughs> a lot of unknowing, a lot of unknown, bro. Like when I started, I didn't know that. Like I, I kind of like had this inclination that it maybe I could could turn it into a, a fully-fledged business, but I had no – like I didn't know how possible and how achievable it really was until time started to go on. And uh, the feedback that we were getting, that was a, that was a massive one because I think when you first start anything, you feel like a little bit of an imposter. Well, well I found that like my friends felt that way and I, and I did especially and – it took a while to build up that confidence and also to get that feedback when the feedback just becomes, I don't know, you just, it just is like, it fills up like a cup and then eventually your cup's full and you're just like, okay, wow. Yeah. Look, what I'm doing is making a difference and I can actually turn this into a fully fledged business. And I think what it comes down to is, you know, if you if you have one person that buys something that you that that uh, loves your work, whether it's a product or a service, you have one paid customer. There's no reason you can't have more. Um, and that's that belief and that ideology that that I just said, like, kind of has just shaped everything that we do now. Um, and 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 you know, the business continues to grow, but. When I when I first started, you know, it wasn't it wasn't about 
when am I going to leave my job? I, I just had this idea of, oh, okay, maybe I can leave my job. Maybe I can make founder a successful business, quote unquote. Um, but then as time went on, it was more about, you know, when is it going to happen? You know, this is possible from from the more and more people I spoke to and, and the feedback that we were getting and just watching that business grow. Was this the first business that you started? Yeah, first real business. I played around with, uh, you know, niche websites, uh, most notably um, – I, I get a cologne website where I try to uh, drive traffic uh, for the key search term best smelling cologne, um, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, founder, when I first started, it also wasn't uh, called Founder. It was called something else. And I had to change the name. So, you know, I got sued for trademark infringement the first four months on. <laughs> so when I think about it now, when people ask me that question, I think founder is like kind of like the second version of, of, of what I'd originally created. And uh, things changed after that four months, and uh, they changed for the better after that trademark infringement uh, lawsuit. Uh, but founder's kind of like a second business, you know? I see. I want to try to focus on um, the transition where you went from, um, you know, entrepreneur to the moment when you realized that this was going to work um, and, and how that how you were changed in the journey, because from my understanding, uh, when you're growing up in Australia, people have told me that's a very kind of blue-collar society, and they kind of like it that way. Uh, the minimum wage is kind of very high. Um, you can have a good job and make, you know, good money. So did you find that um, when you were starting out, was there not really any role models for you to uh, follow as far as entrepreneurs? At least hmm, that's a really good, that's a really good analysis, man. Like, <laughs> I think I've never been to the States. I'm actually going to the States in the next couple of months, but I've heard that the States is so much different compared to here in Australia where I think the kind of work that me and you do is more encouraged over there. And in the States, everybody's always working on something and, and people are a lot more optimistic. Um, look, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs here in Australia. You know, I, I just interviewed – um, for for the magazine and the podcast and stuff, uh, these company called Frank Body that are that are on track to do twenty million this year. So we have a lot of successful entrepreneurs here. But me personally, yeah, I didn't really have that role model. Like my family come don't come, come from an entrepreneurial business background. I didn't really know anybody. Like I knew a few people, but they weren't like close friends or anybody that I could call up and say, "Hey, I need your help on something." So I kind of just had to build that network from scratch. Um, it kind of, it kind of like took me at least, you know, after the lawsuit once. So first four months in, you know, that was really really tough going for that lawsuit. You know, um, after that finished up. That was probably about six months in. That's when I was like, I think we were making about $1,000 a month. I was like, mm, yeah, look, I think I think if I can make it to 1000 I can definitely make it to 4000 or 3500 which would give me enough money to live just on my basic needs and, and still operate the business with all my expenses. So, yeah, that that's how I really made that tradition, a transition, man. It was like... It was like I made a little bit of money and then I was getting a lot of feedback and then I was like, okay, well, I think I can do this. And then I set the goal and that, and I just had that goal. That's all I thought about, dude. 
And I used to actually get extremely embarrassed um, because I didn't want to tell anybody I was in my day job while I was running the magazine because a lot of people assumed that I had already left my job or I did found a full time. So that even drove me to push even harder to get out of my day job as quick as I could. Um, and it took me about just over a year. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Um, I listened in another interview that you had this kind of uh, crossing the Rubicon moment when you purchased the $2,000 software app, right? Is that mm. is that MagCast? Which app is that? Yeah, so it's called MagCast. And it's, a, it's a digital publishing course, pretty much, that okay. teaches you how to build a magazine from scratch, and they also give you the tools to be able to build an app and publish your own magazine and also manage it on the App Store and the Google Play Store, which is, yeah, where Founders based. Um, and I heard, that, so, um, I heard that when you purchased that app, you were fully committed to making this work. Did you find that your behaviors were changing as a result of uh, diving in headfirst? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it cost $2,000, and I didn't really have that much money at the time. So I I didn't want to waste that money. And also, you're right, that as time went on, my, my focus changed as opposed to coming home after after work and just chilling out or, you know, watching like a TV series or just hanging out with friends. It was more like when I come home, I'm going to work on this business. But it only really changed like – so I purchased that course just before I went to uh, France. I did um, I finished off the rest of my degree, my master's of marketing in France. And uh, I remember I purchased that course uh, just before I went to France, so June 2012, May 2012. And I was like, mm, okay, well, when I come back, I'm gonna make, the, I'm gonna give this magazine magazine thing a go because I, I finished up my degree. And uh, it was only then that um, I started working on it. But I remember, you know, I was working on it really slowly, to be honest, bro. Like it took us about at least four months, five months to get something out there. And um, I remember, I think the game really changed for me when I launched that first day, March 5th, 2013. And I, and I remember it like it was yesterday, man, that feeling of just logging into the app store and seeing that I'd made $5, that two people had purchased the magazine, something that I created with my hands, my own two hands. I created something from nothing that didn't exist in the marketplace. That's really what changed the game that's really what changed the mindset because then it was like okay i made five dollars today i made ten dollars the next day and then you know sometimes we make a thousand dollars a day so it's like how how can i how can i keep you know impacting more people get more people to be exposed to our work and uh then how do I reach that goal to, you know, make enough money to leave my job? How many subscribers do I need or how many how many people do I need to download the app? And, and what happens when that person downloads the app for the first time? You know, what happens before they see the app and they're just brought to the iTunes landing page? That took me down this path of just thinking about things so differently and focusing on just that business like that. I, I couldn't go to the gym and have that as a massive focus anymore. And I know I should have, but I'm just the kind of person that just, once I got my eyes set on the target, I just get obsessed with it, man. And, uh, that may, that, that mind shift, mind, mind shifts, re, mind, yeah, that mind shift really just 
was just changed over time where I, I now I just pretty much live and breathe my business. Like, yeah, I've got a girlfriend. Yeah, I've got a pretty good social life too and I see my family and stuff. But pretty much all I think about all day, every day is business, founder, startups, entrepreneurship. How can I help people? How can I further help people? You know, what's happening? What's working? Where, where, what am I working on next? Um, and I think that that's, that's the way it has to be. If you want to build a business that, that can replace your income so you can travel, live the dream or do whatever, you, it's got to be an obsession, man. It's got to be an obsession. So a big part of it is just being super focused and putting your brand out there everywhere. Can you tell me a little bit more, like from the path from $5 a day to $1,000 a day, uh, what, what worked particularly well? Maybe you can share something uh, juicy for, uh, for me and my listeners. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I guess first things first for us, it was – now, I'm not going to say it in the sense like this is what you've got to do if you've got an app. I'm going to say this is what you've got to do if you've got a business you're trying to grow. You've got to work out what the lowest hanging fruit is, especially when you're bootstrapping. The founder is 100% owned by me. We've had multiple buyout offers, and I haven't entertained any of them. Um, So I'm a bootstrapper, man. I'm a very frugal business owner, but at the same time, I'm not. So how the question needs to be asked, what is the cheapest way and the best bang that I will get for my time and my buck to get as many possible downloads as possible? Because I'm playing in the app store, this is my this is my playing field. So your first things first, you need to look at what field are you playing in. Like if you want to build an extremely successful podcast, how are you, what's the lowest hanging fruit to grow that podcast? With an e-commerce store, you you need to find a couple of channels that are game changers that are going to be your your main sources of customer acquisition. So for me, I, I identified app store optimization as a massive channel that was a game changer for us essentially. And pretty much I found that from one speaking to other successful app owners and other successful magazine owners. And two, I found that from testing. I found that if I put the Richard Branson front cover as the main cover that you see when you find look for founder in the app store so it's not the latest cover like the tim ferris issue tim ferris issue it's the branson issue and it has on there in big writing free issue that people will 30 percent like i'll get 30 percent more downloads so you know the more downloads you get the more potential sales you're going to get so instead of trying to use facebook or you know content marketing uh, to to get people to come and and find the magazine and you know build that trust and, and you know fall in love with the brand and, and want to move on to something else and and you know further go down that path of finding the magazine, I felt like okay well the app store has so many hungry hungry customers that already have a Apple device that already have a mobile or tablet device and they're looking for business magazines so how can I you know, be there when they're searching Entrepreneur Magazine? How can I be there when they're searching Forbes, Fast Company, um, you know, HBR? If you search to this day for any of those big magazines, Founder will come up right next to them. And that alone has been a massive game changer for our businessmen. 
And, you know, it just comes back to what's the channel, where, what's the field you're playing in? How can you get the most leverage for your time and your dollar? And that, that source of acquisition hasn't cost us anything, bro. Has cost us a cent, except my time of learning, you know, really, really well how to optimize your app. So it, you know, it's just killing it in search. So it's called app app uh, app store optimization ASO. It's just like SEO for Google. So that's been one channel for us. And then the other channel has been Instagram. Instagram's been a massive game changer for us. Uh, certainly in the we launched uh, our Instagram page six months ago and now at 150,000 followers. Super engaged page. We've built so much brand exposure, so much trust, such a massive community and loyal fan base for what we do. Um, that's been a game changer for us too. You know, uh, our database is growing so rapidly, bro. We get at least 1,000 to 1,500 opt-ins a week on our database. So, yeah, man, that's uh, that's been another big game changer for us as well. You keep talking about uh, bang for your buck. That's like the 80-20 rule, right? Yeah, um, you could say that, but I, I never really look at it like 80-20, to be honest. Well, I feel like um, anyone who's listening to this, like, they, they may suffer from the shiny object syndrome where they feel like uh, they're, they're being told, well, you should be here, you should be here, you should be here. How do you uh, flesh out and determine what your uh, your top – game-changing uh, lead generation sources are? Do you, are you just constantly testing things and just putting stuff out there like every week or every month? Are you trying new things all the time? Are you always trying to innovate and test new marketing strategies? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I hate to say it, but, yeah, we're just testing, bro. Like, you know, uh, it's all about testing. Everything is an experiment. You don't know the answer and until you actually put it out there. Um, so yeah, I'm always testing, but at the same token, dude, you know, um, we've got our channels and we hit those channels hard. Like that app store optimization stuff. I've hit that so hard that it's, it'll be very difficult for anybody to catch up to me that wants to compete. Um, you know, where if we get, you know, if we keep doing what we're doing, we should be able to outrank entrepreneur magazine when somebody searches entrepreneur magazine, which is pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, I just find these channels and if they're going really well, uh, I just hit them really, really hard. Like the Instagram channel. Um, I, you know, I just tested it. I saw a site, I saw a sales spike and I'm like, boom, okay. Um, well here, let's, let's make this thing work. And then I just kept going down this path and I just, I could just see so much value, like incrementally, like uh, it's the best channel, one of the best channels I've found. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm always, you know, testing other channels too, like, uh, and, and it is a little bit doing what you're told in a sense, like, you know, everybody says you should be on the content game. Everyone says you should have a podcast. So I am playing that game too, but you know, um, I think to answer your question, it comes down to one testing and two, just having a look at what your competitors are doing as well. Um, I think that's really, really important, and you want to be doing it better than how they're doing it. <laughs> so, so it seems like you're also very metrics-driven. Um, do you have a process that you use to study and measure the metrics from these different uh, channels? I mean, yeah, sure. Can you, can you walk me through the process that you use? Yeah, yeah, sure. So it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, for now, uh, most of it's for Google Analytics, but it depends on you know whether it's the magazine, whether it's one of uh, one of our products, or, or what. It just depends depends on the product, really. 
like if it's the magazine, you know, Google Analytics is is our number one tool. Um, but also, you know, I use metrics like clicks um, from our Instagram page. You know, uh, when it comes to our Instagram page, um, we push people to a landing page, which drives people to sign up to our email list. And, you know, I use that metric alone as, you know, how, what happens when they come on our email list. So then I look at the landing page builder lead pages and I'm like, okay, well, how is this page converting? Um, so yeah, I'm always looking at metrics. Uh, I think it's really, really important to know your stuff, whether it's, you know, open rates for Infusionsoft, uh, Google Analytics sales reports or click throughs on a landing page and conversion on a landing page for lead pages. Um, I guess it comes down to tracking things. So my process would be what's the first point, like what's the first way that somebody's exposed to your brand? You know, what's the purpose? What is this thing meant to do? So the whole purpose of our Instagram page, bro, is to to have amazing content that people uh, engage with. But at the end of the day, the whole purpose is for people to, to, to sign up to our guide um, and which is a free gift that we give away and to click on that one clickable link in our bio. So let's track that back. So what's the end process? So the end process is somebody signs up to our email list. So what's the thing before that? They have to be brought to the landing page. So I'm constantly split testing that landing page to make sure it's super optimized. Right now it's converting at about 40%. And I keep trying to move the needle as much as I can with that landing page. I'm using different landing pages. I'm changing the aesthetics. I'm changing the text. I'm changing the the button where it's positioned. I'm changing whether it's minimalist and or where it's got heaps of content on the landing page. Um, whether it's got a testimonial. So these are things that I'm constantly testing. And then I work backwards again. So what happens before they come to the landing page? They're they're on our Instagram feed. They're engaging with our photos. So, okay, um, how can I get people – I test many different ways to get people to click on our bio. One of the most powerful ways that I've found is simply posting a photo and saying – hey, guys, want a free guide on how to start an online business? Press the link in our bio. An image with text does that, and sometimes we can get, you know, 300, 400 opt-ins in a day if we just tell people to do that. It's kind of insane. Like that bio link is there all day, every day, 24-7, but people won't click on it if you don't remind them or tell them to do it. Um, so that's kind of my process, man. And then, you know, what's it going to take to, uh, get people to even see that link? You know, we've got to put engaging content. So quotes work really, really well. Hashtags, you know, share for shares, getting other people to promote our page and we promote theirs, cross promotions, all those things kind of just from working my way backwards at, at what is the sole purpose? What it, what is this, what am I trying to do? Right, that's fantastic. So from what I got from that, you're spending more than half of your time just focusing on testing different marketing uh, channels and different platforms. I think that so many publishers struggle with this because they spend so little time marketing themselves and they spend so much time you know, just creating content. Uh, then, mm. they, then they complain about, you know, I'm not making any money. Um, I, I deserve to be getting paid for what I'm doing. I mean, there's a lot of bloggers, podcasters who haven't monetized their platforms yet. Hmm. Yeah, look, I don't know if it's half. I agree with you. I, I don't know if it's half, half of my time, but uh, definitely a quarter of my time is spent uh, testing and seeing what's working and and launching launching new things or launching new experiments for sure, man. Because I think 
any successful business owner needs to be so protective of their time that they're spending at least 90 to 95% of their time on either marketing or products. That's just how it's got to be. Whether you're spending it on products or you're spending it on marketing, that's where you've got to spend your time. You want to find leverage for everything else, whether it's editing a podcast, you know, that could be considered as product, but that's something that I can offshore to somebody, whether it's creating content, you know, that's something I can offshore to somebody. I need to be at the top level working out what we're, what we have to do and finding as much leverage as I can to grow as fast as I can. So most of my time collectively is spent on marketing and products. I try and stay away from everything else, any meetings, any bullshit, like you name it, man, worrying about um, all sorts of crap, like, you know, bookkeeping, anything. I try and offshore it as much as I can. I see. So any of the like time consuming operation stuff, you you just try to delegate? Try. Yes. (laughs) Um, Can I ask you, so you went. You started out with five dollars. How how else have you monetized um, your your products? Are you just focusing on uh, subscriptions? Do you also do advertising? And um, have did you have a monetization strategy in place when you started up? So the plan always was subscription based business model. I think I think those kind of business. I think those kind of models are really smart. To be honest, bro. Like you look at who's starting businesses now. Even like all the big time internet marketers. They're all starting sasses, man. They're all they're all wanting to get on this recurring revenue train because it's so powerful. Um, so I don't know. I, I really always liked the subscription based business model, and I always looked back at you know if you have a gym, you know uh, if you go to the gym, you know you have to sign up, pay thirty bucks, fifty bucks, hundred bucks a month to go to that gym, and that lock-in effect is really, really good. Uh, Seth Godin talks about lock-in a lot, but uh, when you have a product, I think you have to think about what's what's it going to take for somebody to move across when you lock them in. And I don't, I don't like to talk about people as customers and they're down here and I'm up here because it's not like that. But so I just want to be very clear around that. But when I look at strategies and, and business and how I'm going to generate more sales or grow the business, that's how I look at it. Um, so yeah, I really, I really like the subscription based business model and that was always going to be the play. But then as time went, has went on, you know, I realized that ads is really hard work and I just can't be bothered. Like just contacting people and trying to prove to them that they're going to get, um, you know, this exposure, it's just a lot of effort, especially for big dollar amounts I've found. Um, and it takes a lot of phone calls, a lot of meetings and stuff like that. So I'm not actually interested that much in ads. We've done a little bit of ads, like, uh, because we've got a multifaceted platform. And when you want to talk about, you know, how, what's the play here with, with founder, it's a multifaceted platform. So if you're a publisher listening to this, we have a multifaceted platform. It's not just a magazine. We've got a podcast, we've got a blog, we've got social media channels, we've got an email database, and we've got the magazine, and we've got digital products that uh, service our community in a much more hands-on and tailored way as opposed to reading the magazine. Uh, which is more in-depth, which is more holding your hands stuff. So 
that's the play here. Not so much. Yeah, subscription-based business model is nice, and I really like that. And Founder is the face of the business. It's our front-end product. But uh, the real play here is multifaceted platform, and we're just starting to roll out a series of training products which will be sold on the back end. So still to this day, most of our money is made from subscription. We're just about to roll out a tra- our first training product uh, on Instagram in fact, because that's what our, what, what our community has asked for, and uh, we will continue to build up that back end. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's how I plan to take it from six to seven, eight-figure business. I see. So a big part of what you focus on is, is getting them to transition from just a free sample, free issue, free copy to a subscription. That's, that's where you direct a lot of your focus. And I, I think that's fantastic because once you have them on the subscription model, it's much easier to focus on delivering quality content versus trying to create clickbait or draw new you know, users or new readers all the time, right? Yeah, that's right, man. I think, I think the real takeaway here also is I'm, I've got a marketplace of hungry buyers, that I don't need to honestly work that hard. Like, yeah, I do have to work hard, but you have to remember that I put Founder up on the App Store, on the Google Play Store. It's listed in 155 countries around the world. You know, a lot of the work is already done for me because if there's people searching for a business magazine, I don't have to push the hard sell. The hard sell is... Okay, if you're into business and you find us, you know, download the free Richard Branson issue. We're a cool, funky alternative to Entrepreneur and Fast Company at Forbes. You might like us. Check out our free issue. If you don't, that's fine. And if you do, by all means, subscribe at two ninety nine a month, which is less than a cup of coffee, um, and you'll get, you know, hundreds and hundreds of interviews with proven entrepreneurs with so many strategies and tactics and actionable stuff you can take away and put away in your business that. You know, if, you, if you're not interested, that's fine. But um, there's not as much hard work as opposed to, I guess, creating a publication and just going out and, and trying to get it put through all these distribution channels where Apple is our distribution channel. That is what that, – they're, they're taking care of everything. They've got buyers. They've got hungry buyers that are loving our stuff, looking for our stuff. They, may, they wouldn't have even heard a founder. They might not have even – come across any of our brand and they've found us through the app store and they're ready to pay their credit card is linked to their app, app apple itunes id um and steve jobs has taught people to pay for content so we are on a platform that a lot of the hard work is taken care of for us you know we don't have to worry about the technology that much we don't have to worry about um finding the customers as much as if you had your own platform you know what i mean um, so yeah, look, I think, I think that is a smart way to give away the free issue, but also I think it is even more smarter to have a, to have someone else take care of your platform. Yeah. You pay them 30%, but I think that's fine, man. I think, uh, that's more than a fair deal because they take care of finances too. And all I have to worry about is I give Apple a bank, my bank details and they'll make sure they pay me once a month. Um, so yeah, bro, like I guess um, that's the play, but it depends on the channel, what, where, what I want people to do. Whether they find the magazine, I want them to 
to to subscribe, obviously, but whether they find whether they find any of our other collateral, like they come to our website, read the blog, whether they come to you know one of our social channels like Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, I want them to sign up to our email list, and then you know tell them about the magazine at multiple touch points, then tell them about some of our products at multiple touch points, and and really extend that relationship and really build on that. That's fantastic. So I think that um, you find hungry audiences on iTunes and. You can get them to subscribe to the magazine. That's probably the, the path to getting to your first 1,000. But once, they, once they're on the magazine, uh, once they find out, can you give me uh, an example of what your back end looks like as far as the digital products that you mentioned? Because this is how you really fully monetize those leads that you're getting from the App Store. Yeah, look, to be honest, man, uh, that's, that's the biggest stuff that I've got on my agenda right now. Like the <laughs> magazine, uh, it's pretty well automated in the sense that we can pump stuff out pretty quickly it's a monthly magazine and we don't have any problems keeping up with that but um my biggest focus now is building the back end so i i you know disclaimer here i don't have a next level back end man with crazy (laughs) automation yet but that by the end of this year i will have a couple of digital products and a crazy back end sales funnel um and that is my biggest focus right now um, and, of course, growing the brand. Well, maybe you can tell me what your priorities are there because I feel like it's such a big part of the game. I mean, a lot of people can create content. They can get people to engage with it. But if they just you know, go away and they don't um, you know, fully monetize the lifetime value of those uh, customers, then they're, they're missing out on the big chunk of the pie, as it were. Yeah, look, I think so. I, yeah. I, think, I think that is definitely a good realization to have. But it depends on the kind of product, man. Like Founder is an entry-level product. It's $2.99. Our lifetime value of a customer is around $50. Um, you know, uh, when we launch this Instagram course, it's going to be around $500. Um, so it just depends, really. But you need, I think any successful business has a strong back end. I think any, any productized kind of business anyways, even a service-based business, you know, uh, you look at the most successful magazines, they do events, bro. They actually have digital products. You know, if you go, I didn't know this, but when I started doing my research, like entrepreneur, they upsell to their events and they upsell to these next level guides that they have. Like you wouldn't know that though. You probably didn't know that, right? Uh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, they have these events and they have these guides. And then, so with HBR, they have these $100 books that they try and sell people and all sorts of things. So I think I do that's remember, the first realization to make. You, so you said you interviewed Tony Robbins. I remember seeing him uh, speak live one time, and uh, the way he comes out on the stage, he's dancing, gets everyone to hug each other. And then, and then he's like, if you want to feel this way all the time, you know, I have 200 copies of my book at the back of the room. And the first you know, 200 people get a discount on it or something like that. He seems to be such a master at um, at exactly what we're talking about, and I feel like there's a lot that I can we can learn from an example like that. What do you mm, think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Look, to be honest though, I know Tony's work, but I don't know much. But besides that, he does events. I don't know enough about his back end system, his other products to comment. To be honest, but this is what I can tell you. That my biggest focus right now is on the back end. So what the question it just comes back to what is my process? Like what happens when somebody signs up to our email database? How am I going to build a relationship with that person? How am I going to build that trust? 
How am I going to get people excited and they want to open up our emails? How am I going to provide so much value that people are like, fuck, man, I've got to open up the emails from Nathan at Founder Magazine because I know that he drops so many value knowledge bombs that I will always want to open them. That's the first piece of the puzzle that I'm trying to tackle right now. And then the next piece of the puzzle is how many emails am I going to send them and what path am I going to take them down? So the first question that needs to be asked is when somebody comes on our email list, why did they sign up? So did they opt in for a free guide on how to start a business or did they opt in for the free Richard Branson issue, which we give in PDF format too, not just in the app? So, you know, there are a couple of our lead magnets that we use. So the next question needs to be, well, what is their problem? How can we further help solve that problem? Okay, you might like the magazine and you might like the podcast, you might like our blog content, but what's your real challenge? What's your biggest frustration and problem right now? Do you want to start a business and don't know where to start? Do you, have you started a business and you're trying to get more customers? Do you want to know how to dominate social media? Do you want to get super productive so you get heaps done? They're the kind of questions that you need to be answering and finding out within your own business and knowing your audience better than they know themselves. And once you know them so well, you just take them down a path and a process once they come onto email through a series of emails and you have a series of products that you can slightly offer to them. So, you know, um, we can send, let's say, okay, let's, let, I'll take you through a process. Somebody signs up to our email list uh, for Instagram. Uh, they opt into a guide, uh, want to start a business, but don't know how to, where to start. Okay, so somebody downloads that guide, and I can see Infusionsoft tells me that they've clicked on that guide and they've opened it up. Um, Infusionsoft can also tell me if they haven't clicked on that guide. If they haven't clicked on that guide, they'll be sent a follow-up email saying, hey, we noticed you opted in. It's so great to have you here. We're going to send you so much more cool stuff, but a, a great place to start is the guide that you originally wanted. And then we send, and if that person did open it or they didn't open it, we send them another email saying, hey, you know, we hope it's so great to have you here. Here's a little bit about Founder, and I tell my story. I'd say I wanted to start a business. I didn't know where to start. I wanted to build a successful business, and I was sick and tired of hearing stories. I, I want to help a million entrepreneurs by the end of this year, and I believe that anybody can start a business. The internet has changed the game, and here's a little bit about me. Here's my team. This is how we operate. This is our mission. This is what we're trying to do at Founder, and then you know, once people get an insight to who we are, it, it, it kind of builds trust and it builds that transparency and that openness builds that connection and relationship on a much deeper level. And then what's the next thing we're going to send? We're going to send a couple of really, really good articles that we know have been really well received. So it's like, oh, okay, um, here's here's two articles that people love in the founder community. How do, how we got – was on Instagram uh, – in how we got 20,000 followers on Twitter in three months and how we got uh, 10,000 followers on Instagram in two weeks. And then, oh, okay, well, we see that somebody clicked on that 
what the Instagram one. So we can see that that person might potentially be interested in our Instagram course. So, okay, well, the first thing we're going to potentially upsell to them or sell to them is an Instagram ebook, which is what I just did a interview for. I just did an interview with, uh, you know, a company called Frank Body that are on track to do $20 million in revenue, mainly through Instagram for their product, a coffee scrub. So, you know, that's, that's part of this special $9 guy that I'm going to give people. And then if we see that they purchase that, they might be interested in a step-by-step course. And, you know, if they're not interested in that, they might want to just start a business and we take them through another process. So can you see where I'm going through this and, and, and the plan and, and how many products I need to create and how much copy I need to write and how much testing I need to do about what people are opening, what subject headlines work, what people like, what they're struggling with and how, I, how the founder community can further serve them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you gave me so many takeaways uh, in that answer right there. I heard you say once that how much money you make comes down to how much value you provide to your community. Mm, Yeah, that's so spot on, bro. Actually, you you said that in another interview. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and so you've given me examples of how you're delivering more value. You're focusing on the problems that they mentioned and and delivering specific guides to those specific problems. Um, You're also studying some of your most popular articles and podcasts and sending those to subscribers. Uh, you're giving me great examples of how you're delivering more value to your to your community. Uh, what are some other ways that you can take it above and beyond? I think I think the best way to stand out is actually caring. So often, people or businesses just want your money and they don't care. They just try and trick you. Or they just do everything they can to make that sale, but then they don't care after that. I think if you care, if people people know that and people buy off people. That's why I try and be very transparent that it's just me, Nathan, with you guys here on the front lines learning what it takes to build a successful business. I'm interviewing Richard Branson. I'm interviewing Tim Ferriss to find out their leverage points so I can help you. You don't have to pay for any of our other stuff. You can get a whole ton of value every single week for free, and that's cool. I'm cool with that. I just want to help serve and help as many people as I can, and and I think that level of transparency, that level of authenticity, and most of all, people knowing that I seriously give a fuck, that I care so much, that I want to help people, that that is that what I'm doing with Founder was what I was born to do, and I want to help as many entrepreneurs as I can. I think that that is whether it's a tactic, whether it's a strategy, I'm not sure, but that's got to be always at the center of everything that you do. Um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's how it's got to go down, bro. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's yeah. The difference is I I give a fuck. <laughs> that's so powerful. <laughs> I'm here on the front lines so that I can help you. That's a quotable uh, passage there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's got to be where what your focus should be: just caring and just going above and beyond. You know, something I do with Founder Man is is, you know, we can talk about, uh, you know, how to add more value, but how about just adding, like just making a promise and delivering above and beyond that someone could ever imagine? Like, like we can talk about getting new customers, but how about just 
making your current customers so extremely satisfied and just become such an advocate for your brand, your mission, what you do that they tell their friends. Um, that's something that's massively underrated, bro. And that's actually something that I try and do a lot where I'm, I, I try and over-deliver on the price. So, for example, this, you know, I, I just did an interview for, for this ebook, this Instagram ebook that, you know, one of my writers just put together and I just, you know, when I get home, I'm going to review. And as part of that ebook, you're going to get this epic interview with and understand how these, you know, this company, this small grassroots company is on track to make 20 million this year just alone off Instagram. And that's just a bonus for getting this next level Instagram guide, which has a ton of step by step strategies, which will be close to five to seven thousand words. And it's got all, a lot of our best stuff in there. Not all of our best stuff because, we, we, you know, obviously we can't keep put it all in there because it's just not enough room that we put all of it in our in our upsell to our course. But the question is, you know, I'm giving away all of the my best stuff for $9. It goes above and beyond. We could easily charge $100 and people would still get so much more of a return on investment and value from that little guide. But I'm just – above and beyond over delivering and i think you know that that in itself is very very powerful just making a promise and just over delivering under promising over delivering and just providing so much value that you just blow people away that they're gonna tell their friends i think uh you know, that is one massive channel. Like we talked about Instagram, we talked about apps optimization, but you know, quite often every second day, man, I get emails. Well, every day I get emails from, from our community telling, uh, telling me how much our workers help them or how much they love what we're doing. And every second day, you know, that person has said, not only do I love your stuff, but I've told every single one of my friends about the work that you do, Nathan. It's awesome. And that, that, that's, you know, that has a lot to be said, bro. Yeah, that's so fantastic. I love what you just shared there. I talked to, um, another guest in this podcast, Sean D'Souza, and he gave me a couple of metaphors where he'll imagine himself as like a, a karate instructor. Basically, mm. he wants his clients to move up a belt level in the process of, you know, working together with him. So they'll start out at a white belt, you know, then they'll get yellow belt, green belt, and he'll keep following up with them to make sure that they're reaching that next level. Mm. Yeah, that's it, man. You've got to care. You've got to care so much. You can't just take the sale and then that's it. Forget about that person. You know, uh, when we deliver our Instagram course, another thing we're going to do is we're going to have automation so we can like be make people accountable. So we're going to be tracking if somebody actually logs in and does the lessons. And if they don't in a certain period, they will get an email follow-up and they will be hassled to make sure that they go and do the work, you know? Um, so I think, <laughs> you know, that's another way to over-deliver. How many video courses have you done or purchased if you've purchased any, you know, courses or information products where somebody's emailing you saying, hey, you haven't done module two, what's going on? Yeah, I think a big thing that holds a lot of us back is that uh, we have a lot of uh, information coming at us and it's hard to act on the information, I think. Um, mm. You've also said, though, that uh, you think that fear is what holds a lot of people back. And I wanted to ask you this question. Um, 
Besides just telling people, you know, stop being afraid, uh, how do you recommend um, people to uh, cope with or manage their fear? I think the best way that I know to do it personally, because, you know, I, I am not, I am not fearless, Danny. And I wanted to start a business five years ago. And the reason I didn't was because I was scared. I was scared of failing. I was scared of what people would think of me. I was embarrassed that, that I was creating something that wanted to help people. I was scared that I might look like I'm trying to sell snake oil. I was scared that I might come off like one of these self guru, you know, personal development, hippie idiots. Like I've always had fears, but I guess the thing that helps me is I look at what other people are doing, man. And I think to myself, well, if that person's doing it, why the hell can't I? You know what I mean? Like, if this person is coming to me and they told me they've launched a business and, you know, they're traveling around the world, living the dream, well, if they're doing that, why can't I? Um, another thing that pushes us is just that frustration, bro. Like, the reason I launched Founder was to scratch my own itch, but also to find fulfilling work for myself. It might be selfish, but, you know, I found a calling where this work that I do with Founder is what I was born to do. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so, I feel so lucky and blessed to be doing the work that I'm doing and to, to have the community that we have and, and the business to continue to grow. But, you know, like, I guess it comes down to just having that frustration. I think, I think, uh, you know, with this Instagram course that we're talking about, uh, I, I launched a beta for it in January. I finished rolling out that beta mid February. And, you know, I said I was going to launch the, the version 2.0, which wasn't delivered over webinars and, and stuff like that. And it would, it would be fully scalable in um, April and we're now hit mid May and I haven't launched yet. So why haven't I launched? Well, one, I wanted to make the product perfect and perfect doesn't exist. Two, I was scared that uh, the price that I'm charging wouldn't justify the amount of value I was giving. Three, I was just, you know, this is something that I didn't understand. It's the first uh, video kind of course that I've created I didn't understand how to do it, so I froze up. I didn't know the next step. So I think the answers have to – but I, la- I we're, we're just about to launch it this week because I was so frustrated with the situation, man. I, I, Me personally, I get so frustrated now. I just can't wait any longer. I just have this sense of urgency that I've got to get it out there. I've got to get it out there. I've got to get it out there. And that's how I try and move with, with tremendous amount of speed of implementation and uh that and i know that like for a fact that's why uh the most successful entrepreneurs that that i speak to you know they've got a really good sense and speed of implementation so i know that in my mind so i'm like okay i've got to push myself so i'm constantly trying to put one push my comfort zone two if i am afraid i'm looking at different areas to tackle that so okay i was going to go down this direction 
and I've got a roadblock. So I'll try and go around that roadblock from a different direction. And I speak to my friends and I brainstorm with my friends how I can move forward. And then I speak to somebody else that's done it. And that'll make things even easier for me to keep moving forward because if somebody else has done it, it gives me more confidence in myself that I can do it too. And then I look at what other people are doing too and it will frustrate me even more if that person's doing it and I haven't done it. And, you know, all of those things um, add up, bro, and that adds up to eventually pulling the trigger (laughs) for me anyways. That's fantastic. That was a wonderful answer. Um, Three of the takeaways I took from that – one was study really successful people who are doing what you're doing and ask, if they're doing that, why can't I? Um, two, sometimes you get frustrated because you don't know what the next step might be, so you need to ask around or figure out what it is. And then three, use uh, speed of implementation to kind of, would you say, trick that fight-or-flight response and then um, outsmart the fear or outmaneuver the fear, would you say? Is that how you do it? Yeah, just be mindful. Like, yeah. you know, I want to build an extremely successful business and I know that the most successful entrepreneurs move fast, but I know I don't want to ship crap. But at the same time, I know what's valuable. I know what's good. I try and use the self-test like, you know, would I want this? Would I pay for this? Is this good enough? I get feedback from friends. But, but just being mindful that you need to always be moving fast and knowing that in my mind that that's like, you know, how, how Richard Branson would roll or, you know, whoever, Tim Ferriss, you name it, man. Awesome. So um, in an earlier answer, you mentioned that you had all of these fears when you, uh, uh, when you were starting out. Did, when you were c- growing this business, did you ever find that some of those fears came to reality, came to fruition? Like you mentioned you didn't want to be accused of uh, selling snake oil, for example. Have you ever had like critics out there who have denounced your work? I mean, can you tell me what happened and how you dealt with it? Hmm. In fact, not many people, very, very rare people have made fun of our work. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. I'm not sure. Um, because I know that it's it's enough to, like, really paralyze people. I mean, I've had my fair share of critics who, you know, I'll, I'll publish a book and then some people will, will just judge it immediately, you know, without opening the book. And um, Yeah, bro. It really weighs heavily on you when... Um, you know, you, you, you feel those, those critics or, you know, just those, those fears, they come up and haunt you, I think. Yeah, look, I've, I've, I've had it too. Um, yeah. It makes you feel crap and you worry about it and then you just get over it, you know. Like, I think the people that are saying stuff like that, 95% of the time they're in a position that they wish you were in. It's very easy to criticize and everyone's always got an opinion, man. So I think you should worry when you don't get criticized really. Um, so yeah, I criticism means you're doing something worthwhile, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but like I said, I, for some reason we don't get as much, well, we do get a little bit of slack, but not that much. Um, the only person that's kind of accused me or, or just kind of imposed that I'm selling snake oil or any crap like that is it's just some of my friends because they don't understand what I'm doing. And that's okay yeah. because, you know, what's the bet that some of those friends actually have a successful business? None of them. You know what <laughs> I mean? What's the bet that they work for the man? All of them. You know what I mean? Like they, they have yeah. a nine to five day job. You know what I mean? And, and that's cool too. Like, 
these are friends that I'll be friends with for a very long time for the rest of my life. But they're, they're just having a laugh and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, Nathan's just doing this, you know, whatever. Like, it is what it is. Not everybody's going to understand you. And I think that's a big part of being an entrepreneur is a lot of people don't understand you, especially your friends and family. And you have to, you have to build a network around people that do understand you and the people can seriously help you. And that's, uh, been a massive game changer for me, bro. Like my network, I'm very confident in saying this, that I have a very, very powerful network of people and support that has definitely been a, a really, really big helping hand to, to help me grow as a person, as an entrepreneur and, and grow the founder business. Okay. Last question for you, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the most important lessons, uh, or things that have stuck with you that you've learned from all of the successful people that you've interviewed and featured in your magazine and podcast? Can you maybe just share like two or three of the, the top ones that, that come to mind? Mm. <laughs> definitely the top one is like a lesson is uh you know we put these people up on pedestals right bro but one, one realization i had and it was a massive game changer for me early on is these people are no smarter than you or i they've just worked like extremely fucking hard and and they just made the right moves so that was a big game changer for me is just speaking to these people, I'm just like, oh, okay. So just trying to not put that person up on a pedestal, that's been a big lesson that, that, that these people aren't smart, no smarter than me or you. And then another one, we kind of touched on it, was speed of implementation. That's that's massive, dude. Um, it's all about pulling the trigger, shipping, executing. Shipping, as Seth Godin would say. Um, and then probably, like there's so many, but probably the last one, would be, I guess, just wanting it bad enough. You know, there's so many people that want to start a business and they say they want to start a business, but they don't really want to start. It'd just be nice. It'd be nice to to live the laptop lifestyle, you know, to, to wake up and you've made a couple of grand in, you know, and you've had a sleep and, and you've woken up to, to all this money in your bank account. It would be nice to have an audience and, and make a difference. But the question, the question that really needs to be asked is like, what are you prepared to sacrifice to get where you want to be? What are you prepared to give up? How hard are you prepared to work for that business? Uh, how much blood, sweat, and tears are you prepared to put into a business and something or a project that might not work? Um, that's something that, you know, every single person that I've spoken to, they just want it so badly, man. And most, the sad truth is, don't want it bad enough. And I, I seem to see that a lot. It's sad. Uh, makes me, like, kind of disappointed too that most people just aren't prepared to do the work, but it just is what it is. And all I can do is just continue to serve and continue to help as many people as I can and, and continue to do epic interviews, continue to provide as much valuable content as I can. And if people decide to do something with that content, they decide to do the work. Well, that's awesome. I want to, I want to, I want to meet 
more of those kind of people, but unfortunately there's not enough of those kind of people, man. The, 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 the people on the fence, it seems to far outweigh the people that want it bad enough. Yeah, that's great. I think, Nathan, there's some kind of gap uh, with most people in terms of uh, what they're dreaming for themselves, you know, that fantasy that of, of having their own business and being their own boss versus the reality. And there's just such this, this big gap, and they don't seem to know how to bridge that gap. And I know that, yeah. you know, Tony Robbins, he talks about this a lot. I remember reading um, In Awaken the Giant Within, and he says that he thinks that people just get so caught up in, like, their daily tasks and their daily duties you know, like uh, going to the grocery store and picking up the mail and stuff like this. They forget about what those bigger goals are, and they don't they don't feel motivated enough to actually take action on them. Mm. I think. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, actually, when I spoke to Tony, I actually asked him a similar question to this, and uh, he got it. He got it spot on, man. It's all about that hunger. It's all about that hunger, and you know what I mean. Anyone that's listening to this, you'll know what I mean when I say that hunger because you'll think of somebody and be like, yeah, I know that person. That person's hungry. They want it. And uh, that's what you need to, to develop, this hunger. Is hunger an innate uh, trait of certain entrepreneurs or is there a way that we can cultivate it? What do you recommend? I don't know whether you can <laughs> cultivate it. Tony says that you need some sort of external thing that has to happen to you. I don't know. Maybe that ha- that's what happened to me, bro, when I was just so frustrated in my day job. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one, to be honest, bro. Something inside of you just snaps and you say, I, I want this so badly that I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I think, I think yeah. part of the motivation might be um, the, the fear of, uh, of getting what you, I'm sorry. The fear of failure is not as strong as the fear of staying where you are. Oh, yeah, of course. We choose the path that we're least afraid of. That's the biggest problem. As humans, we choose the path that we are least afraid of. So if we are more afraid of starting a business as opposed to just living your your life as it is, like the status quo, unquote, you will choose the status quo every day of the week because – the amount of fear that comes into starting a business is is outweighed as opposed to just living the status quo. Um, and that's something that you can use to your advantage if you wish. Fantastic. Well, Nathan, I really enjoyed this conversation. I know we, it ran a bit long. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for being so generous with your time. You're welcome, brother. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time also. It was a really great chat.